wonderful song. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 24 this morning. It's good to be back. We've uh, mentioned we missed the church. We miss singing with you all. And just, uh, just love, love singing with God's people and singing praises to Him. And just uh, encouraging songs this morning as we've um, reflecting on our Lord. It's a it's the right thing to do on a Sunday as we gather to, to reflect on who He is, who God is. And sometimes we get carried away a little bit in other things. We, uh, we come through the week and there's many other thoughts that come into our minds. And it's a good, good thing to start the week just, just thinking about God and even through the, the singing. And you know, it's good to be back, as I mentioned. Um, we had a great time for those of us who went to the Philippines for the, the conference over there, and I want to encourage you in, in two years' time, if you're able to, start planning to come. Um, I think uh, that it's going to be well worth your time. And it was a challenging time, honestly, if you, that if you get a chance to, to chat about it, I'd love to talk to you about that, but there's, there's a great need in the world, isn't there? You know, the, the real focus of that conference was the, the need of the 5.4 billion people in the 1040 Focus Nations, and uh, just people all around the world, the majority of the world, that still by and large haven't heard and haven't had the opportunity to hear about the Lord Jesus and the saving knowledge that comes only through the gospel. And it was a tremendous time really just focusing on that, really challenged in my own heart regarding that. And I think just some things that God's formulating for us to do as a church, and I'll share with that, uh, that with you as the time comes and as God allows um, and then really just coming away from that and, and seeing the, the multitudes there, we, we saw, I think, on the last evening, we had over 10,000 people there just gathering with the same, same Lord, same faith, with the same message. And several, uh, several people surrendered to go to the field. Um, I'm not sure what the final count was, but I think there was at least 100 people came forward to say we're going to surrender to, to be a witness in, a, in, a, in the foreign field or somewhere for the Lord. And that's a tremendous thing. We, we sort of can't really fathom that really in Australia. You know, even some of our bigger conferences and bigger times together, we don't, we don't see 10,000 or so. And, and I know the numbers aren't everything, but it was evident that the, the Holy Spirit was moving in the place. And it was a tremendous time. And I really enjoyed uh, being there, enjoyed just being with our folks who, who came and, and then reacquainting myself with some of the brethren serving in, on that side of the world. And then some of the, my friends who are from the States as well were there. But, you know, you get, come away from times like that and, and it's a tremendous time. I think really when you think about it, you, you really want there to be times where you really sense that God's really moving. And I know my desire as your pastor is when we gather together on a Sunday that we really get a sense of the Holy Spirit working and there's a power of God in the, in the service. And I hope, hope you pray towards that. I hope that you have an understanding that, that God actually does dedicate some times where we can come away a little bit and get a, a real sense of Him. And, and really, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real sense of that. And often when we think about God's power and we think about the great needs and the understanding that we do need God's power to, to, to even, even scratch the surface of the great need of the, the great commission and the gospel in, in our time, especially 
you, you start to just equate those times as the times when God shows his power. We can equate our times like this together where God has a, has a way of dealing with us specially. And, and that's true. It, it is true. We can, we can both, uh, both in Scripture and anecdotally just talk about that. But I think sometimes we can just sort of keep it that way. And what we find here as we read through the Scriptures this, uh, this, uh, this morning was his disciples had now gathered. They, after a time of being scattered, God, uh, the Lord Jesus, after his resurrection, had appeared to them several times. And we didn't take the time to read early in the passage, but he appears to them in verse 36 and he greets them with this greeting, peace be unto you. And right there in Jerusalem, as he's appeared to them again, he's, uh, he's, he's reiterating to them who he is. He says in verses, uh, verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. He's saying this isn't just an appearance of some sort of other. This is me. This is the, your Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I am he that is resurrected. And he shows them their, his feet and his hands. And, and, and notice in verse 41, And while they believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And he invites them to dine with him. And what he found in his disciples, even though this was literally the resurrected Christ, was that he found them in a place of, of doubt. He found them in a place where they just needed a bit of a, I guess in a sense, pick-me-up. He, he just needed them. Uh, they, they, he found them in a place where they believed not for joy. They were in a, in a bit of a place where they were neither here nor there. They, they were just in a place where they've gone through that scattering. They've gone through this, this, this life-changing moment where they, they didn't quite comprehend what God was doing in their lives. And they find themselves... Here with the Lord, and he says, invites them to dine with him, invites them to a closer fellowship with him. And there he expounds through the scriptures in verses 44, right down to verse 46, who he was through the scriptures. He elaborates a little bit more uh, with them right there. And right there in Jerusalem, really the, the epicenter of all that they were doing in that, uh, in that time with the Lord, this was going to be the place that was going to be part of their daily grind. This was going to be their place from which God was going to send them forth literally and uh, into the different parts of the world. And, and really what Luke 24 is, is where the Great Commission is, is found in the book of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. And he's about to give them that commission. He's about to give them that, that calling to go and reach the world. And, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if I can, uh, in this week, if I can encourage you to come along to our missions conference, we're going to talk a lot about the Great Commission and how really it starts both in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. We're going to talk about that because it's an important part of why God has us here. And, and it's an important thing to reflect on often. And, and so we're going to find that he's going to give them this commission. And, and yet he, he, he starts off by just, again, emphasizing to them who it is that he is. Because with a commission comes a commander, right? It's not so much the importance of the commission, but who it is that is giving the commission. And so he's giving this commission because he is the one true God. He's the commander to give. He's the captain of our salvation. And he goes through 
the scriptures written at the time, which was the Old Testament, who he was. And he reiterates there in verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, and you are witnesses of these things. We find a similar account, the same author in the book of Acts, in Acts 1.8, about being witnesses for him. And, and we understand that, that that's the great commission given. And yet, once we go through that and he gives that, notice what he says here in verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We, we are given the commission, but within the scope of the commission, God also enables us. And you know, the thing that I concluded when I thought about the great need of the world and the great need that was emphasized at the previous conference, I've just been in the, what will re-emphasize as we come into our time here for our missions conference, is this is a, a, a huge task, isn't it? You know, you think about uh, our, our community alone. And we'll talk, if you come back tonight, we'll talk about our community and, and, and how we need to lift up our eyes. But you think about the, the need just here. You think about North Brisbane. You think about Moreton Bay and beyond. And you start to understand then the need of Queensland, the need of Australia. And even within our Jerusalem and our, our, our Samaria and our Judea, there's great need. And you start to re re recognize the tremendous task that is, you will be left with no doubt that we need help. That we can't do this in our own power, in our own strength, with our own resources. We're going to need something else. And, and there's a great question, the missionary question, still preparing yet to be answered in our day. And there's some, perhaps, that God is preparing within this place and within this congregation, within this flock, to go and do something about that. And we all ought to be involved in that. But we understand that he says here in verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So he's saying, tarry in Jerusalem. But then notice an interesting thing that he does, the next thing in verse 50. The next thing he does is he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Didn't he just say to the disciples there, tarry, which means wait here in Jerusalem. But then the very next thing he does, and we know later on, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1. It's where he ascends. He even describes it a little bit here. But he goes to a place. He leads them out. It was his leading that they go out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And so after he goes through all of that, after he gives, through the, gives them the commission, after he says, tarry ye in Jerusalem, he then says, let's go to Bethany. Now, now Bethany should, some, should be something that is familiar to you if you've read through the Gospels. Bethany was a short distance away from Jerusalem. Bethany, when it's translated, is the house of dates. Now, you singles don't get too excited. It's not that kind of date, all right? It's a fruit. But it's a house of dates. It was a special place, actually, that Jesus, with his disciples, often visited. It, 
It really derived its name from the number of palm trees which grew there. And as a result, Bethany was really a beautiful place. It was a nice place to visit. It was a place that you could go and, and perhaps vacation a little bit, t- take your load off a little bit and just sort of enjoy the scenery. It was the residence, if you know from Scripture, of Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. It was a place that Jesus and his disciples often went to. And it's frequently mentioned in connection with different memorable incidents in the life of our Lord. And there's no doubt that in his choosing of this, this was a special place already where Jesus would go and his disciples. And this was often a place where he would come and be with his friends. And this was a place that saw miracles take place. Lazarus was raised from the dead here. This was also a place of reconnecting with Jesus. You remember his admonition to Martha? He says, Why cumberest about thou about with many things? He, there was a lot of things that she was cumbered about. And he reminded the good thing, which was sitting at Jesus' feet. It was a place of reconnection. It was a place of reminder, of realignment to the priorities of that, that, that those disciples ought to have had, and by extension, the, the importances, the, the things that are, ought to be important to us as his disciples of this day. It was a place that was special. It was a place of reconnection. It was a place that was often at times in God's leading, even in this time, was needful to, for them to go. And, and what I'm saying, Bethany was indeed a special place. And what we find, though, is that his admonition to them was to tarry, though, in Jerusalem. And I think that's an important thing to note. Look at Acts chapter 1. And notice even once the, the thing that he was going to do was done, he had ascended up into heaven. And you imagine being there, the, the resurrected, the bodily resurrected Christ, just, just there after all of the ordeal that you went through and, and, and after being in a, in a place where you're a little down and discouraged and you're, you believe not for joy, even though you literally saw and God was, the Lord Jesus was dealing with you in, in this way, they go to Bethany and he says here, look at verse 9, and we had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, notice this, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So suddenly these angelic beings are with them. And notice their admonition to them in verse 11, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And notice, notice what then they did in verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem. And I want to say that, you know, there's many times where we want to tarry elsewhere. There's many times where perhaps we take a little bit of time to be gathered for the express purpose to be ministered unto by the Lord. And certainly I would say and I would hope that you would believe Sundays are a bit like that. That Sundays can be times where it's a bit of a Bethany, where we come and we see our friends 
and we see our, our, our church family and we flock together for the express purpose that perhaps the Lord Jesus would show us something. That we would come together. And, and I just thought about that, you know, it's been a few times now where I've come to the, that specific conference and it reminded me of different times that were like Bethany's to me. There were times like youth camps that God used in my life. There were times where, where just like this conference, God challenged me about certain things and it was like Bethany. It was like that. It was a gathering place of my friends. You know, Thailand's a bit like that for me. We joke often with Pastor Manso, even when I was ministering over in, in Sydney. He's one of my best friends, probably my best ministry friend. And, and he and I, we would, we would often see each other after the busyness of just ministering. We would just see each other usually in Thailand. We had to fly thousands of kilometers away to see each other. And we would joke that this was a place, it was a gathering place for us. And it, it's a bit that way, it was a bit, it's a bit of a Bethany for me. And I look forward to that. But you know, those times aren't the real times. And for, for God, for the Lord Jesus, His emphasis to them while He led them there, and, and it ought to be that God leads us to different times of Bethany times. There's going to be times where we're tempted just like these men, to just stand there and gaze in amazement and sort of just let that just become and wishfully become the norm. You know, tomorrow we're going to head back and it's going to be just the, the normal nine to five that we do. You're going to head home and, and, and maybe even as we lead into a little bit of a busy time for us as a church as far as specific gathering for specific purposes uh, just like our missions conference and then in July it's going to be our leadership conference and I hope that you make the plans I hope that you understand that God has led us to that so that we can be reminded and be dealt with specifically and maybe it's going to be a place of connection reconnection with the Lord and maybe it's going to be a place of just uh, of just taking a load off and and resting in the Lord for a little bit and maybe it's going to be a time where God will commission you and and show you something of his power of his nature and whilst it's going to be wonderful you know what God's calling us to he's saying tarry in Jerusalem he's saying Bethany's great I have a purpose in it but actually I want you to tarry in Jerusalem I want you to tarry in the norm and you know many times we we just we dis we discard the norm, uh, the norm like it's, oh, it's just, it's Monday. Who, who actually likes Monday? I'm putting my, I like Monday. I, I, I like Monday. If I don't, get, I don't have a good Monday, I have a bad rest of the week. All right? I, like to, I like to just get started, get going on a Monday morning. It's the time where I, could, I really get into the Word of God. But, you know, may, most people just despise Monday. Right? There's a Monday-itis. It's a real thing. And, and you, you go through. Why? Because you're back to normal. Some of you, you've just come back maybe from a holiday. And, you know, you're, 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 you're just... You, you ever notice about holidays? It's never, ever long enough. And you come back and you're like, I, I'll, two weeks more, come on. But, you know, many times we, we do that because we're in a place, it's, it's a bit like a Bethany. You know, it's a special place. 
And God, yes, he, he may have led us there. But, you know, his emphasis here in his scriptures, he says, tarry ye in Jerusalem. And I want to tell you that oftentimes we it can equate, especially in times like, like conferences or times where we, maybe a, a certain place that you go to, to get alone with the Lord, sometimes we can equate that it's only those times where actually God is dealing with us. It's only those times where God's spirit and God's power is somehow demonstrated. Like we have to gather, and don't get me wrong, we're a gathering church. We've learned that recently, right? But, but our gathering is not meant to be the rest of the week. Our gathering is meant to play a purpose. It's meant to play a part. And we go through and we have those times and we can have sometimes, I think, especially those who, who go on a trip like, uh, like overseas to maybe some, some sort of missions trip and, and God really deals with them. It's out of the norm. It's a bit of a Bethany time. And then they come back and they just despise the normality. They go back and then they, they have to go back to their ministry. They have to go back to their work. They have to go back to their normality and and they miss the point because actually the point is the Bethany times are for the Jerusalem times. It's for those times. And God's saying that, that we, need to, we need to tarry in Jerusalem. And I want to say that we have a tendency to want to tarry in Bethany. We will have a tendency to want to tarry in the special. And there are places and times when God especially moves. Don't get me wrong. We ought, to, we ought to seek the, those times, but, but we, we ought to avoid, though, being the type of Christian sometimes that must live from Sunday to Sunday or from conference to conference. We, we can't live that way. There, there's, God has a purpose in it. And, and can I remind you that those disciples, they came even with the whole thought and the reality of a resurrected Savior, they still got discouraged. They still felt a little down. They believed not for joy. They had no, no real joy or sense of what was happening in their lives. And it's those times where God can lead us out. It's those times where God can lead us to times where He wants to specially deal with us. And, and God does lead us to special places and special times. You know, He led them out to Bethany. It's a place sometimes that we've been to before. It's a place maybe that we can reminisce and think about the times God has allowed us to share special moments. You know, sometimes you meet Christians who are just living for their yesterday Bethany's. They're thinking about the times before and, and you, you sit with them and you talk about and it's often always the good old times that they had, not that they're having they're going through and they're just reminiscing all the time about what it used to be and what it was. And, and it's all about that and they're holding on. Listen, they're holding on and they're tarrying in Bethany. They're tarrying to the past. They're tarrying to the things that was and it was sweet and God did move. And, and you call back to those places. And yet he's saying, don't tarry there, tarry in Jerusalem. And, and this this. Time even, you know, many Christians live from Sunday to Sunday. They ebb and flow. And I want to say that it's easy to be happy at Bethany. It's happy to have joy at Bethany. It's happy, it's, it's, a, it's easy to come together and, and have that sense of praise and, 
And I hope that that is the case. I hope that, that Sunday isn't a chore for you. I hope it is a special time when we do gather together, when we see each other after a long week. I hope that we do come together with a, with a, a, a sense of expectation that God's going to do something and it's a special place and it's, it's a place where God has often dealt with us and often met with us and I hope we do, we do look forward to it. But you know, the reality of it though is, is, is God's not calling us to tarry there. And we gather by His directive, they were led to Bethany. And God uses these special times to show His power. He, he blesses them there and then He ascends there. He shows them indeed He is the true Christ again. And, and I want you to note that it was again Jesus' leading and design that they were to be there. And we get to come and when we do come, we're blessed. We see God's hand bless us over and over again. We see that Jesus shows himself to be true. And all of that is a demonstration of his power. And uh, there have been here who were dead and now was made alive. Many who had your priorities out of, out of line and now are realigned. Many who have made decisions because of the power of the word of God. And, and there's times like that. And even Ezra in his time when, with the, when they were trying to rebuild the temple, he says, and now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may light in our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. And who doesn't want some reviving through the course of the week? Who doesn't need that at times when we're in the place where just life grinds us down and life just gets us a little discouraged and a little despondent? Who begrudges God of leading us away from that at times? We ought to rejoice in that. We ought to be joyful when God gives us some Bethany moments and some Bethany times. And God uses these times for His purpose. And He, he wanted them to come away because He was about to commission them. And He knew this. He was about to leave them. He was about to ascend. And God wanted to leave them not in this, this place of discouragement and unbelief. He wanted to leave them with an, uh, an affirmation that they can go on, that they need to be encouraged. And, and no doubt, the, the, that's why often God will lead us even in calendaring that to come away and, and you know, be out of the norm. Come away and take some time off. Be here during the week. That, that's why on a, on a Friday night, if you have opportunity, we're going to come and we're going to gather and we don't often gather here on a Friday night as a church, but we're going to hear some preaching about some great needs of the world and some great needs that are across the street and across the world. And God uses these times for His special purpose. And I want to tell you that it was at those times where God worked in my life, and, and, and that's why I'm a big uh, proponent for our youth camp. That's coming up in April, and, and there's those times where we're just preparing for God to move. I'm saying that it was at youth camp that God moved in my life. That's why I always love youth camp, even though probably I told our, our young people, you know, I'll, I'll probably be 65 and you'll still be wheeling me around. I'll still come to youth camp. I'll still be playing pranks on you. But I'll still be preaching the word of God. And I'm saying if God gives me that time, listen, why? Because God moved there for me. God had a purpose. It, it was just down to 30 minutes away. Here, right here in Queensland, where God called me at a conference. 
And I'm saying that don't discount the Bethany times. Rejoice in it. Because God has a purpose and it might be that you come away from the week and we're starting a new week. It's Sunday and you get to be in church. And by the way, we get to be in church. We, we get to be here. This isn't a chore. This isn't just obligation. No, there's a joy in it. Why? Because God's going to do something. And often Jesus took his disciples away to re-energize them or to show them something new about him. In Mark 6.31, he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. You know, it was them with him. And it might be that beyond the, your normal Sunday, it's a good habit. If I can say that as you sense maybe a, a, a jaggedness in your spirit, that you just come away and reconnect with the Lord. You know, there's a, uh, I've just got into the habit uh, every once in a while in this park there. I just go up to Clear Mountain. There's a little spot there. It says no parking, but, you know, there's enough space. So I'll park there. And, um, and I'll sit there and just, it overlooks the whole Morden Bay. And I'll just sit there and I'll pray. And, you know, I didn't know it until recently because we, we went over to, you know, the um, Clear Mountain Lodge. For a little while it was closed in the mornings, but now I know it's open at 7 o'clock. I can have coffee then, but... I'll go up there and there's a little spot, there's a little platform just there, uh, just past their parking lot on the left. And right there I, I've sat and I've read my Bible. And there's been times and now it's become a bit of a Bethany place for me. And I'm saying sometimes you just come away for that when you're starting to sense that. And God will often lead us to that. And after, in Mark 9, two, after six days, Jesus taketh them with him, Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And Peter later on in his, in his epistle, he writes about that. He says, I have a more sure word of prophecy. Why? Even though he compares that to the times where he was there, he literally saw Jesus transfigured with Moses and Elijah. Remember what, what Simon's mentality was? He says, Lord, can I build uh, some tabernacles? You know what he's thinking? Let's stay. <laughs> this is awesome. But you know what Jesus was emphasizing with them in his commission to them? He says, tarry in Jerusalem. You know what Jerusalem represents? Jerusalem was what represented their backyard. It represented to them a place where they served and worked. And whilst Bethany was their special place, Jerusalem was to be their norm. Jerusalem was their base. It was a place that was most familiar. It was there, there that they needed to be. And he says there in Luke 24, he says, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. And he says, tarry there. And I want to say that there's times where we come away and, and really what God wants us to do, he wants us to return to normality. You know, don't, don't, don't begrudge what God has given you as normal as the norm. You know, we, we need to return to normality. And again, even though God leads us to special times, His will for us is to return to what is normal. Then, and I love it. And they return in verse 52 to Jerusalem. We read it earlier in Acts chapter 1. They return to Jerusalem. And we need to realize that although there are moments, I want to say God didn't mean it to be permanent. And God wants us to return to our respective places, taking the blessing with us. And, 
And it's human nature to want to hold on to moments that are special. You want to hold on to those. When I was a young person, I was really, really sentimental. What it was, I was just a hoarder, all right? But I was, I was sentimental. <laughs> and I would, I would take things from, from camps, you know. I, was, I would take things. I would take booklets. I would take little notes. And I just had, I had boxes of those. And I would sometimes recall them. And I was just that way. And, but what it was, I was hoarding. When I got married, I just chucked them, all right? I had my true treasure over there, but see that? See that, men? I'm just trying to teach you, men, all right? I'm just trying to teach you, all right? That was an added extra for this morning, but you go back to your norm. You go back to the normality. It's, it's, it's human nature for us to want to hold on to those special moments, but, but see it for God's purpose. God's purpose in it is to bring us not for the moment, but to bring us momentum for the day. It's not the moments in our lives that matter. It's the momentum we gather from it. And now they had momentum. Whereas they were in a place of despondency, perhaps, they were now going to be in a place. And we're going to see in, here in verse 51, it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And notice in verse 52, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. What a contrast. Earlier on, he said they believed not for joy. And now they return with great joy. The, the, the moments don't matter so much as the momentum you're going to get from the moment. And the momentum for them was they were going to go and they were going to return to Jerusalem and, and, and we're going to see that it was, it was, it was going to be given with power. Because the reality is God doesn't, isn't just empowering in the moment. God, God actually empowers in the normality. Because it was in Jerusalem that they were to tarry. But notice what he says again in verse 49. He says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. You know, it wasn't at Bethany that they were going to be endued with power from on high. It was going to be in Jerusalem where they were going to be endued with power from on high. You know, he says there it's the promise of the Father. And, and what God's going to refer to there, what God's referring to there in his word is his Holy Spirit. And, and yet... God empowers us in the normality. Don't ever forget that God's power displayed is God's power at work. God's promises and God's power isn't diminished by the familiar and the routine. In fact, it's given for it. You know, we too often, we think that it's only in the moments that those Bethany times that God's power is displayed, but it's only an event that I need to, it's, it's, it's only a moment. It's only an event. It's only a time. It's what I do with it. He's saying, it tarry, and then they return back to Jerusalem. Why? Because it was their place. It was to be there that they get the power. And there's a certain patient expectation in the word tarry. It's a, the, the word tarry means to stay in expectation. It's to wait. And, and we need to look beyond the normality that will come our way and live in the power that is promised in waiting upon our Savior. 
Hey, listen, don't get weighed down. And we do, we can so easily get weighed down by the normality of our lives. And we want to look back and we want to get back to Bethany. Listen, just get back to God. He's empowered. He's given. He's promised the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And he's saying there that actually tarry in Jerusalem. When you tarry in Jerusalem, that's where you can tarry in his power. That's where he's given you his power. I send the promise of my Father upon you. And now turn with me to Acts chapter 1. What's the promise that he's talking about? Who who is it that we're endued by? And and again, if you bear in mind that the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a transitionary book. Sometimes there's a danger in how we read the book of Acts. We, we believe the Bible literally, and this is a historical book. But it's a book of transition. It was a, a time where God was moving from one administration to the next. He was moving from the Jews to the Gentile church. And he was moving to that, the, 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 that, that dealing with, the, with mankind. And, and so we read some things here uh, that had happened that is amazing but we're specific to that time. And, and notice what, what happens. You look at Acts chapter 1, look at verse 4, and being assembled together with them. And again, this is the, the Word of God giving more detail. Remember that Luke was the, the common writer, the human author of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And Luke writes with great detail, and now he gives greater detail in this, this, this letter, this treatise that he writes to Theophilus. And In verse 1, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You know who the promise is? The promise is the Holy Ghost. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They didn't quite get it still. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the book of Acts says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we know that great commission, but he says, Ye shall receive power. What was that power? It was the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and what it is, is at this time, in, in this dispensation, in this administration, the Holy Ghost hadn't come upon men. They, he only came at times. And we know of the prophets. We know of, of the judges like Samson. You remember Samson? He was supernaturally given strength. It was his, his separation that did that. But it was, the Holy, it was the Spirit of God that came upon him at times to defeat the enemy, and there came a point in Samson's life where he wist not that the Spirit of God was upon him. It had departed, and, and that was that time. The Spirit of God came and left as God, the Holy Spirit, pleased was pleased with. And now he's saying there's going to be a gifting of the Holy Spirit upon those, this church that were going to be the blood-bought saints of God. And In Acts chapter 2, this is what happened at Pentecost. Okay, Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like eyes of fire. And it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And again at that time and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And why? Because that was a, a sign gift for the day. Why? Because they were to reach the world. Right? They, there's, no, there's no translation. We don't, they didn't have Google Translate at the time. So what God did was He gave them that gifting, but it was the power of the Holy Ghost. And listen, He's saying, wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They had to wait. And listen, the difference though is this. What was a promise to them is the reality of the presence of God in your life today. Listen, the day you got saved was the day the Holy Ghost indwelt you. And you know, too many of us today have forgotten that, that, that it's not in those special moments, not Bethany moments, that is the filling of the Holy Ghost. No, He gave us the Holy Ghost to indwell us for our Jerusalems. It's for our day today. Hey, listen, tomorrow when you get up and you're going to face work and it's going to be a difficult day, hey, listen, you have the Holy Ghost in you. And you have the, the Holy Ghost of God, who is God, by the way, that, that, that you, can, you can ask and you can surrender to and you, could, uh, you can tap into that promise of the Holy Ghost and tomorrow we will return to your Jerusalem and that's what you need, God's power the most. And let's not forget that the promise of the Father is the Holy Ghost who is God indwelt in us. You know, he said that in John 16. In John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He says, it's expedient for you that I go away. Why? For if I go not away, the Comforter, capital C in your Bible, referring to the name, a name of the Holy Ghost, he says, will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. How be it in verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, now he's given that title, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he's saying you're going to be indwelt, he's going to be the comforter, he's going to be the guide, he's going to be a reprover, he's going to be the one in your life that he's going to give you daily power to be able to live for him. You know, too many times we get a little bit fearful to speak about the Holy Ghost as if he was not part of the triunity. We'll get a little scared because other, other Christians have an overemphasis at times in our minds and a, and a wrong teaching of it and the manifestation of his power in that. And we ought not to be afraid, though, of the biblical role of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We ought not to be afraid because others have gotten it wrong. We ought, to be, we ought to be buoyed by the fact that actually God himself indwells in us. Amen. And listen, we go about each day sometimes and we, we worry about our daily grind and we, we wish every day was a Bethany moment and we wish that there were times where we could just get away from it all when all actuality, God's given us everything we need because it's not, no longer a promise for us. It's a reality. And in this time, God doesn't 
His spirit no longer just moves, he dwells. He rests. But I want to tell you, there's times where we don't tap into that power. Why? Because there's things that the reality of our lives is that we don't, we just don't, we don't recognize some things that grieve him. You know, it's a power that's available. And, 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 you know, for tomorrow, for the rest of the week, don't live for yesterday's moment, live in today's momentum. And that's why we ought not to limit the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. He is to be submitted to in Ephesians 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know who it ought to be the number one influence in your life? It's the Holy Spirit of God in your life. There's three that bear witness in heaven, right? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one, the Bible says. And we ought not to be afraid of that. We ought, not to, we ought not to diminish His role in our lives. No, He's saying, submit, be filled with the Spirit. And verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It ought to be that you wake up tomorrow and you ought to Say, Lord, fill me again. Lord, submit. I submit to you, Holy Spirit of God, be the greatest influence in my life. You know, he's the one that reproves the world of sin. He shows the world of righteousness. And, and listen, you and I, those of us who are saved, we are the presence of the Holy Ghost on this earth. It's through our witness it's through our following after him. And he's saying, be filled with the Spirit. That's why we ought not limit the power of the Holy Ghost by quenching him. He's to have free course and freedom in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, says, quench not the Spirit. To quench means to keep in check, to stifle, to repress. And many times we're fearful of what it means for God to have complete control of our lives. Why? Because selfishly and foolishly, we think that we know better and we can do it without him. And we quench him. We don't surrender. We don't submit wholly. And yet it's the thing we need. It, it, it's, it's he who has to have that, that, that freedom to work in our lives. You think about the fruit of the Spirit. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. You know what he's saying? There's no limit. And yet so many times we can be a little bit like Samson and we, have a, a, we limit and we quench. And whilst he won't depart from us, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. There are things that we just quench him in. And rather than the fruit of the Spirit, which fruitfulness is all about abounding, isn't it? You know, no one celebrates a little fruit. Everyone celebrates a lot of fruit. And we're meant to abound in our fruitfulness for the Lord. That's what gives Him glory. But you know what? We Sometimes what we do, we stifle the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't surrender to Him and submit to Him in areas that we ought to. And then we wonder why we lack fruitfulness. We wonder why instead of the works of the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, we are demonstrating the works of the flesh. The Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, for you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And 
too many times. We wonder why we live fleshly lives and we wonder why we can't get victory over this sinful flesh that we're still dealing with each day. Well, it could be, it just might be that we're just not so surrendered and so submitted to the Holy Spirit like we ought to be. Why is it that we struggle to get anything from the Word of God and we struggle and we treat it like a dry old book and instead of the living Word of God? And we look at it and we go about and we live lives that are just monotonous and we live lives that just, we struggle for meaning. Well, it could be that you've just quenched the Spirit because with the Spirit there's life. And too many times, we under, underestimate the Spirit of God in our lives. You know, we, that's why we want to limit the power of the Holy Ghost by grieving Him. There ought to be a rejoicing in Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. To grieve means to make sorrowful, to offend, to displease, and that's really talking about sin in our lives. And oh, whilst we, uh, we understand positionally we are made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, we still go through this world and we still have this flesh that sins. And we can come in great, just great confidence that we can come for forgiveness and we can come for cleansing and we can come just understanding of what the Holy Spirit of God can do in our lives as He points out areas that we need to get right. And there's that trite saying that sometimes we discount, keep short accounts with God. And what we do, we grieve Him. You know, tomorrow, men, when you're alone and you have your phone in front of you and you're tempted to look at that thing, I'll tell you, you have this Holy Spirit of God, don't grieve Him. Hey, listen, when you're tempted to, uh, to again, go to that besetting sin and, and you struggle with that, listen, what's at stake is the Spirit of God working in your life. And so don't. Just, just come to Him for victory, for the power that actually He's promised for you and I and is given. That's why we will not limit the power of God. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's why we ought not to limit the power of the Holy Ghost, because He is how we overcome the world. In 1 John 4, 4, you're of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, the, 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 the most disturbing thing about Christianity today is I think the, the overt worldliness at times that is shown by God's people. The love of the world. And, and the, the, the love of the world that just goes beyond even our love for God at times. And there's an overtness of that in our world today. And you know what it is? Because we've not recognized who is greater. Who's greater? It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, sometimes we're fearful. You know, sometimes we're fearful of what this world will do. We're fearful and we look at the, 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 the situation that we live in. We see that many times uh, uh, Christianity is being mocked at and, and then even uh, just attacked. And we as Christians are the, the targets of that at times. We, can I remind you, though, that though all of us who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but even in that, he says, don't be troubled. Why? Because we have the, the one, the comforter. We have the one who actually produces hope in our lives, the Holy Spirit of God, and it's him that overcomes the world. You know, if you want to ask the answer to the missionary question, how do we reach the world? 
We just need more Christians who will be surrendered to the Spirit of God. We just need more Christians who would be Spirit-filled Christians. We just need more Christians who will be bothered when they can't sense the Holy Ghost working in their lives, when they, they're bothered when they don't see the fruit of the Spirit displayed. They'll be bothered when, when, when the things that ought to give life are, are now dead relics in their lives, and, and we ought to be bothered. But too many times we're just tarrying in Bethany. And we've not changed our mind, and we've not had the mentality, no, no, the place where it's at is our Jerusalem. And we're going to see that it was from Jerusalem that they were going to go out into the uttermost. But for us today, how do we live? How do we live victoriously? How do we become uh, powerful witnesses? And by the way, if there's a lack of witness, there's a lack of the Spirit of God working in your life. Because you're going to receive power. After that, you shall be witnesses. Right? We're given that. They come paired. How do we become better witnesses? How do we go about each day to live above sin and to live right and to get from the Word of God? The, the Spirit of truth has to come. And the Comforter has to come. And He's dwelling in you, but don't stifle Him. Don't grieve Him. By tarrying in Jerusalem, we also tarry in the power of the Holy Ghost. And you know, today... It's a bit of a Bethany time. But tomorrow you're going to go to Jerusalem. So how do we return? You know what they did? They worshipped. They had joy. They continued in the temple. They praised and blessed God. And that's how we leave today. You ought to leave today worshipping the one true God. You ought to leave today with greater joy. Why? Because we know. Actually, we have the power from on high. We ought to continue in the temple. You know what that is? It's fellowship with God. Just fellowshipping each day, and then we ought to praise and bless God. We ought to give rejoicing. And what, what happened in the life of these disciples, Bethany did its job. They came doubting and fearful. They believed not for joy, but returned ready to experience the promised power of God. The Bible tells us, and Jesus told us, tarry ye in Jerusalem. You know, you don't have to, none of us here need, have to live powerless lives. We, we can live lives, why? Because he's gifted us the promise of the Father. We have God himself, the Holy Ghost, dwelling in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Lord God, forgive me, dear God, of the times when I've tried to do it alone. Father, where there's been opportunity, Lord, to just surrender to you and your Holy Ghost in my life, dear God, just was frustrated and was limited. Recognize that I just didn't submit. I didn't surrender. I didn't recognize that what I needed in my Jerusalem was you. I pray, dear God, that you would please just help us this morning. Lord, if there's anyone here that will just... They can admit today it's been a while since they've really given you the freedom. Whether they've confessed the grieving. And Lord, there's just that, that lack of surrender and submission to you. I pray that you'd help them today. 
Lord, while we have our Bethany time right now, to get the, the moment for the momentum we need for tomorrow. I pray that you'd help each one. I pray, Lord God, for anyone here who doesn't have the, Lord, the, the reality of salvation. I pray that you'd help each one here, Lord God, to know that they are saved, that they have Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you'd help each one. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play.